Uh, Alright, hello. Welcome back, what? ladies and gentlemen, to the MSG Podcast. <laughs> we uh, have an extra special guest with us today. Yeah, would you like to introduce Hi. yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Melissa. <laughs> this is Melissa Burnett. A.K.A. Uh, also my mother. <laughs> That's kind of important. You, you might have wanted to leave Yeah, but that, I don't but... just say mother. I would clarify the name. <laughs> but, yeah, so... All right. Uh, I know you wanted to be on for a while, and then now you are here. So, yeah. So, welcome. You, <laughs> Thanks. The first guest we've had in a long time. It has been so, a long time. It's the first podcast you've had in a long time. Yeah, nobody really knows that, though. Cause oh, sorry. <laughs> nobody really knows that because. You've been releasing regularly. No. It's been, I don't know, six months at least since the last one. But, yeah. I'll be honest, so, I hadn't checked the channel in a while, so I, I didn't good. know the posting schedule. Yeah. So. There was no posting schedule. I just, when I got something, I did it. So. <laughs> well, it, it's good to be back. Yeah. So, all right. Do you, anything you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about women in ministry? I'm, or is there something else? I'm open. I can talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by women in ministry, to be honest. Well, I... Um, remember I had said, y'all, it's you, been a while. You said we mentioned something yeah, somewhere else. One of y'all's podcasts about women in the church. And one of your, one of the comments y'all made was men not necessarily stepping up. So women are mm-hmm. filling in the gap, which I agree I with, that. with that. I agree with that. But also I feel like maybe there are people maybe even in this room, that don't fully understand or women are not less than. And in Scripture, I think there's a big, when people, different men in ministry, different denominations, have kind of made women almost less than than men. And I think that that is a great great injustice and i think that is a scheme of the devil to hold women back and to um not let women fully be used in the potential that the lord has them in and so i think it's very um one it's very interesting on the different takes and i've been in ministry pretty much your whole life in one way or another and um, and even working in church ministry, I see that where it takes effect on uh, women and the people within the church and maybe the misunderstanding that they have. And so um, I'm not saying there's... I'm not comfortable where I would be a pastor of a church, and I and I think that... I'm also not comfortable in being a woman president because I think women are emotional and our hormones can get the best of us at times. However, however, I don't think women are less than. And um, like I've even had an opportunity as a women's pastor um, in a church doing women's ministry full on, meeting with women, counseling with women, going to the hospital um, in family crisis that involved women. Um, So all the things a pastor would do or a deacon would do 
um, within a church I was doing. Um, even counseling women on their marriages or on um, different issues, right? Taking the place of a pastor because a pastor as a man might want to meet one-on-one with a woman. So that flows over if that church has a, a women's minister or, you know, even his wife, a lot of times a pastor's wife will step into that role. Um, so that person is acting as a pastor. It may be a pastor of women and it may be, uh, pouring into those women. And so, um, so my, my point is, I think there's a great misunderstanding within the generations and within the churches and the way it's presented, I don't think it's meant to be presented that way. And I don't think it's at any denomination's heart or even, well, there's a few denominations, but we won't go into that, that um, want to put women down, you know, mm-hmm. and, and subdue them purposely. But overall, I don't think that that is, is the heart behind it. But I think it's gotten twisted. And because of that, because it's not brought up and um, it's not taught, I think congregations of people are misunderstanding that. And I see that um, even in the ministry I do now, there are women that don't feel worthy or don't feel equipped um, to even share Christ with others. And, and, And that's the disservice it takes a toll on the church. Um, it's a very big disservice um, that women are made to feel less than or or not um, able to teach or um, not able to lead a small group. Or, you know, I even had an example where um, I was a women's pastor at the church and I was teaching a ladies' class. And um, in teaching that ladies' class, I was to give my uh, personal testimony and my husband um, your dad always is there when I do that he's always been uh, there supporting me in the back he doesn't say anything he just sits there and is is there um, when I give my testimony and um, he was told he couldn't come into the class because it was a woman's class and I was a woman teaching and um, and I was like well that's that's preposterous to to not allow a man to even come into a room that I'm teaching voluntarily uh, just because I'm a woman speaking and he's a man. There was another oper- uh, another instance when I was on staff at a church and I had been leading a women's small group teaching about um, parenting and strong-willed children and just pouring into those women. Um, at the end of that session, it was like three months, they were like, we would love to do this with our husbands. I brought it before, you know, before the staff and was like, we need to start a small group for these young marrieds. And um, me and Tim would be happy to lead that. And they would not allow me to lead that. They uh, said it had to be done with the men's pastor and that we could be a part of it, which made no sense to me because your dad was going to be helping, but it was it was the fact that I was a woman 
that I couldn't lead a group of a married couple. Um, and again, that's just, um, I think a, a grave misunderstanding that has been put on to church bodies. And I feel like um, pastors should really um, bring that out. And, and, and our job is to edify the body. They need to bring those women up because women are believing that too. Is that a good segue into y'all's? Yeah, yeah, we could we could start with the. I, I don't remember at all. I'm sure I've said it uh, that men need to step up within the church or within the. I agree. The body as a yeah. whole. Mm-hmm. I know. Anytime I ever state that, I've only stated it a few times. I've, I don't know if I've ever. That might have been the only time I've said it on the podcast in the past. But that has nothing to do with women. That has everything to do with men. Uh, something in Judges happens with Deborah. And I, I, yeah. she's a great example of a woman who Correct. steps up, I agree. but it also shows flaw within the men mm-hmm. in the area at that time who should have been yeah. stepping up and taking it, but God used a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of like a big slap in the face to the men as well. Like it was because we need to kind of yeah. step up, but yeah, God used. A, I don't think anything was wrong with that. I don't remember the woman who did the the tent stake. That's I don't remember. Jail. Is it JL? JL? Yeah, I remember that. Um, but. That has everything to do with men, nothing to do with women. Um, yeah, people, but, people stand differently on like whether or not a woman can be a pastor or not. Right. Uh, I, I can say fa- I haven't really done a study on that to to go into depth on anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you would talk about how women uh, aren't aren't prepared, I guess. Is what you said? Like aren't don't feel equipped, don't or feel worthy. Equipped. Uh-huh. And I think that that has to do with both men and women, believers. It's upon both, but at the foundation of it, I would say it's still a big part of that is upon yourself. I have to state that because in Acts, Paul, after salvation, he goes to I think it's Tarsus, mm-hmm. and he spends I think it's three years there isolated, yeah. and he studied. I mean, by that point, he was I'd already understood the law. So he, he was a Pharisee by that point, but he received salvation, and then he goes and isolates himself, and he educated himself, of course, with the help of God, mm-hmm. and and then he went out on his mission into all that stuff. So I think, yes, there is something, there is there should be men and women who are, you know, encouraging and teaching and classes and all that, but there still is a big part of that, that it's upon yourself. You're saved. You have the ability to interpret Scripture correctly with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is upon yourself to educate yourself to be prepared to answer anything that comes your way. I agree. Um, it Also, you, you said something about, uh, you said, you know, they don't like the starting the couples group. I think one thing people don't like, I don't think like this being said, but I, I think it's good to, to seek in prayer if you even should be at the church you're at. Well, you know, if y'all don't do or don't agree, I mean, that's personal stuff, but <laughs> yes, I think leaving and i don't think leaving a church always means the church is just bad but there can be disagreements i mean every denomination has a disagreement on something so right but i also think you need to seek the lord like you said if you need to be at that church because i think sometimes the lord puts you in those circumstances to help change the atmosphere or to help open up eyes of by sharing truth like you know so I'm not and the and I will say that church at that point, you know, stood on that stance. 
I still, because I fell under the leadership of that church, I didn't buck the system. I wasn't hateful in it. Went ahead and did a small group with the men's pastor, you know, and and served that well. Um, But also talked with the pastor and the leadership there of what their stance was and why why was it presented that way and then this is what scripture says so you know and and that changed the heart of of that leadership it's been a slow progression but it did change their heart i did leave when i felt like the lord said it was time to leave which was several months after but um but i still have a good standing with the church and with the leadership so I think we need to go at it where we're at the, like, I'm not presenting that it says, oh, shame on you and da-da-da. I think all things we need to speak in truth needs to be with, we need to be wise with a discerning spirit asking the Lord, you know, when, when to say it, why to say it, how to say it. And then that we're doing it in love mm-hmm. and, and with, you know, we are the salt of the earth, but we also are supposed to speak and have a testimony of fragrance to other believers is what scripture says too so there is a right way to do it so i do agree with you so my question would be have you guys ever been told like to be a pastor you need to have a biblical training in college like a a degree i I know I've, i've heard it i don't know yeah, I, not exactly that. I know that that's something that a lot of places definitely push for. So if if a church was looking for a, a pastor candidate, that's that puts you way up in the rankings. Okay. Something that I hear more often, and it's it's slowly disappearing, but more often than not, a church will put you out of the running if you're not married if you're going for the pastorate. Mm. And I can see why, but I think there's definitely. Uh, a lot of good pastors that are overlooked because of that. Yeah. Uh, I know even in our own church group, there's some that have sought pastorships, even associate pastorships, and they're consistently told, no, you can't because you're not married. You're not even dating. So we, we don't even know that you could be uh, faithful. So we we're just not going to consider you. So the that's kind of strange that they would hold that hold to that more strongly than pastoral training but that's how it seems to, to yeah. come about yeah but well, and i think we're a culture too that it is we're so based on tradition or this is the way it's supposed to be that um a lot of times we lose sight of what scripture says like i appreciate what you said you're right in acts right paul did do that and and we are each responsible. We're each responsible to grow in the Lord and to focus in His Word and to right become righteous. Mm-hmm. We're all striving to be more righteous than we were yesterday, right? We're we're just continually. That should be our our end goal is to do better spiritually with our walk with Christ than we did yesterday. We should strive to do that daily. Yes, there's bumps in the roads. Yes, we have times where we kind of falter. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what Scripture even talks about, right? I've run the race. I've finished the course. 
you know, is what Paul says. And and that's what we want to do. We want to run this race well. We want to to have a good standing and be closer to the Lord than we were when we first began this journey of our walk with the Lord. But the reason I say women is different, I think we live in a society and we're all very aware that even in the past years, right, there are women not getting paid as much as men or being passed over for executive uh, positions because they were a woman. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a women's lib fanatic or any of that. I just stand on, we all have value in the Lord. So whether you're a woman, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic, whether you are um, a man, you know, we all have value and the Lord values each one of us. And yes, there is authority and we know there's authority that's presented in scripture. And I know as a wife, like I'm not above my husband, I voluntarily fall under his leadership. Just like you voluntarily fall under your church pastor's leadership. That's that's what you're doing. And and you are obedient, right, to that church for the most part. I mean, you're not gonna like if you disagree, you're not gonna cause a ruckus in the middle of a sermon, hopefully. Um because obviously that's not right. <laughs> Be fun. But... You know, yeah, yeah. But that's but that's not right. So so we voluntarily put ourselves under right the leadership. If but there are a lot of people that don't do that, right? But if we want to honor the Lord, that's what we're called to do is is to be um, under that leadership that is above us. Even a pastor of a church should have leadership over him, right? That he's accountable to. And 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 it's a it's a beautiful thing what the Lord created. And it's it's a powerful thing what he created. And so um, even I think on that podcast y'all were talking about Adam and Eve and you know she ate of the fruit which yes and y'all were very good about bringing out Adam's part of that right Mm -hmm. that it wasn't all on her but you know there's still a lot of leaders in ministry and in churches that um say because of that women should not be in in any leadership and and again i just echo that that's um that's sad because it's it's leaving out a part of that perfect um, system that the Lord's created. In Genesis, when it talks about woman, there's a certain word that is used there, and it's ezer, E-Z-E-R, for woman. That actually means a warrior. Eve was created to help Adam, to, to be a warrior, to pray for him. That's what as women... Like if you're married to your spouse, that's that's what we should do. It's very important. We're to stand behind them. Women who have children, you don't mess with the mama. You don't mess with her kids because she'll go ballistic on you. The Lord created us that way. We are warriors. We we have strength. 
and and we are supposed to stand in the battles to be to be the strength so picture it of like you know moses you know on a mountain praying and when his arms fell down they were losing the battle below and aaron you know they came and held his hands up so that the battle could be won that's that's the beauty of of the system the lord's created is you know adam let's not leave him on this world alone let's let's make eve and eve's name and and the definition of that word is is she's a warrior so there is strength women have strength and women have a calling to stand up and and to proclaim and so that's why you do see in scripture deborah even before deborah was leading the army what was deborah doing do you know i remember she was a judge and she was a prophet that's what she was doing that is different if you look at the day and the time right so the fact is yes she was called up because the general wouldn't do it but the lord gave deborah the word to give the general this is what the lord's saying and she had been doing that under a tree she was known as a judge and a judge is a prophet at that time right (laughs) and so yes she already was doing something more then you've you hear about um, there was the I mean obviously JL you know the story of JL and what she did so JL's husband was they were travelers right they were workers I think they were metal workers if I remember correctly they were workers and they traveled so they were a nomadic people and he actually was working for the enemy he he was doing work for them and the general right of that army that's getting slaughtered right runs to her like hide me i need somewhere safe and she's like come into my tent why would he do that because they were part he he thought oh they're our friends right so she brings him into her not only did jl stand against him and his army right and following the lord she totally went against her husband. And in that day and time, she could have been brought out and put out of her house because of the way she stood. And so I love that. I love that story with Deborah and JL. Because yes, it it is. The Lord did say, you as a general, right? You're going to be dishonored because you're allowing women to, to win this battle. So it wasn't even Deborah that the Lord was talking about, it was JL. And and if she had been told from her leaders that you're unworthy, um, women aren't to be in the church, you aren't to teach, you aren't, you know, biblically trained, all the things continually, continually, she might not have stood up to that. I mean, you know, she needed to obey for, for that to happen. But then you even uh, learn about, oh, it was the first Greek church that was started. And it was, I can't remember her name, um, it, the woman who sold purple. Lydia. Thank you. It was purple. Lydia yeah. who 
did you know that was the first that we know of the first church of the Greeks that that was started. So, you know, even she had significance, you know, mm-hmm. and and Jesus, when he came, he ministered to women. There's all kinds of stories in scripture of how he ministered to women and he's trying to show them you're more than what you think you are. And, and so there's a reason there's, there was a stigma in that time. And even we see it now. I mean, and even you can think of, there's one big religion that, you know, their women aren't even going to be with Allah in the end. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So why is that? Why are they holding them down? But then you see, um, I mean, all through scripture, it's just brought out. There's woman after woman that that's going against the norm out of her day and time. And if you think of the uh, jeopardy that that woman's putting on, I mean, look at JL. She, we don't even know anything after that. What happened when her husband came home? Like, I, I imagine her going, okay, y'all need to come get this man. I need to clean my tent before my husband gets home because I can't have this blood here in him. Know what happened? You know what I mean? Like, it's like I went shopping at Target and I don't want my husband to know. I just did a big shopping spree. I've got to hide these in my closet, right? The same thing. We need to think of the day and the time. And so, yes, what you're talking about with Deborah is a very good example, you know, that men aren't doing maybe what the Lord's called them to do. But we look at it as, well, the man's not doing what he's supposed to do, so the woman has to. And we can't look at it that way. Because it shouldn't be that way. It, it, it should be, you know, enough men aren't stepping up to the plate. True. Um, but it shouldn't be just because men aren't stepping up to the plate. Men are, or women are taking over the church. Um, it needs to be, you know, we need to equip more men and teach more women, right? So that we can work together because it is a beautiful picture of, of what Christ wants for, for us as believers and as the church. One shouldn't be less than the other and they each have value. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Uh, I, I think... No, in uh, no other religion are women and men so clearly marked as equal. Uh, the thing that often throws people for a loop is the the issue of male headship, which I believe we got into in that other episode. And I I don't recall exactly what we were talking about when we did make the quote of you know men are not doing their job, so women yeah. are having to step up. Um, but. The only thing that's coming to mind in terms of the scriptural relevance of this, or scriptural backing for the whole men need to be pastors debate, is where it's specifically called out women are not to instruct men in the ways of scripture. And I don't remember what the what reference that is. Um, I think it's in First Timothy. So it's, it's Paul talking. Um, but that's all it says. Yeah, thank you. And so as far as Scripture goes, there, there should be no issue with women doing other things in the church, such as leading small groups or doing uh, the work of deacons. 
Um, now, when it does come down to the pastorate, a lot of people, when they're asked that question, well, you know, Scripture says this, what's, what's your take on it? They, they will usually just say, well, the Bible says so. Right. And that, that is a valid answer. If, if God says, okay, you have to do this, then right. you have to do it. Right. I think there is more to it than that, uh, such as the, again, going back to male headship, um, God chose to reveal himself to us as male, as a, a patriarchal figure. Um, and in that fact, when he created man and woman, it's the two, the two halves of the whole, where man is representative of Christ and the woman is representative of the church. Mm-hmm. And so in that illustration, the church is supposed to look to Christ for everything, right. for both the protection and the salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you break that apart and you make it a part of the church, um, as men, I, I believe we can reflect the masculinity that Christ and, and God, moreover, has revealed himself as Mm -hmm. and that kind of reinforces the whole only men can be pastors of a church but again it's called out multiple times in scriptures both men and women are called to be ministers of christ yes so on that playing field we're equal and it's a and that's where i think people take it too far yeah if if they're causing Mm -hmm. women to be oppressed in that regard not teaching them or, or telling them they can't go out and share the gospel then they're utterly wrong because nowhere in Scripture is that said that you can't. It's just only in the the fellowship of believers and, and actually. Well, and I'll take it a step further. I was looking at Timothy, I'm not finding it. Um, but I'll take it even a step further. If if a pastor of and I and I agree with you, I I believe a church should be pastored by a man. Um, although I know some women pastors and they're on point. I know for me. I just feel more at ease, you know, um, with a church that has a man as a pastor. Not to say, you know, anything about that other than, yes, I agree with that, um, because I believe that's what Scripture is saying, too. However, I will say that um, if a pastor asks me to come and speak to the congregation on a Sunday— and I am sharing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But there are a lot of places that won't even allow a woman to come and present to their congregation because she's a woman. And so that's where I think lines get crossed and they're not, they're not realizing that because as a woman, you're coming under the headship of that pastor. And if he feels you're able to present what he's, you know, wanting the the lord to do or whatever then it should be acceptable um but there are a lot of churches that are like oh no i can't have you know yeah i think one thing is i mean not on this topic but i've seen stuff of different scriptures and stuff of course being twisted and abused not particularly on this topic i don't know it much but like i think one thing people use is submission um, we were told in the scripture, I, I don't know the quote or anything, but both men and women are equals, but also, you know, uh, the the male is, the I guess, the head, as David said earlier, and that the women are to be submissive the same way how Christ is the head or God's the head and the church is supposed to be submissive of it. This doesn't indicate that 
one is lesser value than the other one. It rather, it says because they're equal power or equal authority, you can't have them both be rulers at the same time because they'll just consistently exactly. clash heads. Yeah. So one will step down without losing the authority or the the, the value. I, I don't know what else you would say, but and, and submissive and uh, submits himself to the head, whether it's a husband or the church, whatever it would right. be. Well, it, right. It just makes sense because if you think about it, if you've got a majority of two, that are coming together and there's an issue. You can't have a vote and then the majority wins because if you've only got two and they're of differing opinions, it it doesn't work. And so you have to have an outside force say that, okay, one of the two has to be the tiebreaker or else it doesn't work. Right. And that's necessary, especially when you get into topics like marriage. Like there's going to be disagreements and somebody's word has to be uh, right. Not a little bit more valuable, but it has to be the deciding vote. Right. And that's essentially what male headship is. As God well, said, the men get the deciding vote. Exactly. And as a woman, I don't want that responsibility because when when we go to heaven, right, we all have to give account mm-hmm. for our responsibilities. And as a husband, Tim has to account for a lot more than I do. Because his responsibilities were at a higher calling. Same as with a pastor at a church. His responsibilities are at a higher calling. So he's going to have to give account for more than, right, than we are as his church goers. Because more responsibility was put on him. He was called for that, right? So, um, I know I was called to do ministry, and I know I was called to do ministry to women. So, you know, we do, you know, we do have responsibility. But I think too that we are, um, we are in a day and a time, right, where so many things are getting crossed. People don't even know what gender they are. I mean, seriously, we're in a very weird time, um, and it's sad and it's very disheartening because. It, it shouldn't be that way. And within our church, these wires should, shouldn't be getting crossed because we should be sharing truth mm-hmm. and, and laying it, not our own agenda. And I think sometimes, um, again, it's our custom, it's tradition. Sometimes those get crossed in truth. And, you know, or even the way a person's bent. I mean, I was, um, you know, there there was just a day and a time where, you know, as a woman wearing pants was just not okay. You shouldn't be wearing pants. Women shouldn't be dressing that way. Well, I'm sorry, but you get a, you get a toddler crawling under your skirt when you're doing dishes and you tell me wearing pants is not okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I had three boys in the house and once they started crawling and getting under my skirt and stuff, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, this isn't going to work because yeah, that's not right either. So, if I can wear sweatpants and not worry about what I have wearing underneath my clothing and my kids seeing that, then isn't that more modest than wearing a dress? You know, I mean, there's certain things that, um, that are put on us from tradition or culture and it gets intertwined within our, mm-hmm. our, whether it's your religion or your church system. Right. And, um, and I think that we have to be very 
aware and very careful and that things, yeah, need to be made sure that when we are bringing out things that, yeah, it needs to be truth-based. Oh, I'm very impressed with you guys and y'all knowing scripture and women and and all of that because I was like, you know, we're talking about women. I was like, what are those two boys talking about? Women in in the church. Like, that is not okay. <laughs> they that. that is not okay. <laughs> that, that pants thing. I think thing, they're off. That pants thing you thought of, uh, I don't know. That's probably, I don't know where that is. But there's something similar like it that is typically misused. Uh, it's in First Corinthians that it talks about how women are supposed to wear uh, like head, head coverings. Head coverings. Uh, yeah. And if they're not wearing it, you might as well just shave your head. Yeah. And there are certain religions, certain, even certain churches, where women are wearing head coverings and certain other religions. But it seems rather that that text is not actually correctly interpreted. It actually seems that Paul is using the argument against the Corinthians that they were doing to show them how illogical it was. That's why we don't see it is a, a whole lot of... It is a Corinthian church. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. But typically pe- people uh, have trouble like, oh, how do we explain this now? Because we don't see people in church wearing hats or whatever too often. Right. It's like, well, no, you're just reading it completely wrong out of the context. It's mm-hmm. rather showing something that they were doing mm-hmm. that was really just idiotic. Yeah. Well, in the Corinthian church, you got to remember, they were messed up. Right, they were doing things that were not okay, and so he's trying to correct that. And you had women that were running their mouth, that were talking, and they were overstepping their bounds, right, and causing havoc. So, yes, that this letter was to the Corinthians, and it's like, hey, you need to, you know, come on, let's let's get things in order. The program, right, right. <laughs> Not to say that we don't need to read Corinthians or we don't need to take Corinthians, right? There's all kinds of stuff in Scripture that, I mean, the Lord has it for us to to study, right? But, yes, so very good. But, yes, there was there was a time, and um, I'm very thankful that of that church. They built a strong foundation of Scripture for me. Um, but I think it was rather... Uh, kind of a bent on um again i think that started where women should wear dresses or be modestly dressed because you don't want to make a man's eyes wonder and as you said you are accountable for for what you're looking at just like i'm accountable i'm also accountable in how i represent myself that i'm not causing someone to stumble it talks about in scripture right? That we shouldn't, if we're doing something that may cause someone to stumble, we probably need to rethink that and stop. And so, so there's accountability on on both parts and, you know, but for us to think people have to clean up to come to church is, I mean, that's just not even right either because, you know, um, we need to, we need to be welcoming and we know that you don't have to clean up your act before you come to Christ. You come to Christ and then your act starts getting clean. You know, it's just a general progression of your walk with the Lord. So, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, that's the thing. But, but just like, you know, I lead trips for women to go on mission trips. You know that on the mission field, the majority of mission trips are, are guys are men. Very few women, if you look at the overall number, go on mission trips. 
And and out of those very few moms, because of the stage of life, go on mission trips. And that shouldn't be so, right? Mm-hmm. We should all have um, an opportunity to evangelize and evangelize to the nations and, and to experience that. And there's something about... Um, have you gone on mission trips, David? Uh, not overseas, no. But, okay. But I have gone. Okay. Well, maybe technically. Uh, we did some evangelizing when we went to Greece for okay. school. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah. Okay. I know you have been. But there's something different when you go out of your American, right, culture, and you see, you see the um, way people live. And it's not only that, you see the the change it's most of the time it's not a society of I deserve this or that I have a grass hut and I'm thankful to the Lord that he gave me food today you know there's a joy Trey you lived in Africa with us what did you think people were genuinely they're happy for what they had yeah so and so it's I think it's a good thing but um you know Women, for some reason, throughout the ages, especially, at, I mean, I'm 52, so in my years, you didn't hear of women going and evangelizing. You don't, you don't hear that often. But we should. I mean, we're, we're as responsible for that as men are. And not only that, there is a, a strong um, shift in certain areas of the world that are very um, um, their religion is very harsh towards women and and there is a revival taking place among those women and and only women can minister to them the, the men can't because that could cause all kinds of issues within the home uh, women could lose their lives so but but there's a call to go to certain areas because women are the only ones that can minister to them. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, those women are, are coming to Christ and they are the teachers of their children. So that next generation is coming to Christ. And so, you know, so there is a special need. That is one particular need, right? Where we can see women need to be sharing the gospel as much as a man needs to be sharing the gospel. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's something about Scripture about not being able to preach the gospel. Because actually, uh, you know, I talked about uh, be fruitful and multiply, and a lot of people assume this is talking about marriage and children, and it is. But it's also talking about the spreading of seeds exactly. of the gospel for the word. Yeah. So it has like a double double meaning. And we're held accountable. Both sides, men and women, are supposed to, like there's no limit to spread the gospel and to be be right. fruitful and multiply. So. Right. Well, I mean, even uh, it's Philippians, right? Is it Philippians where he says... Um, uh, Philippians where he says, 4, 3. Um, how beautiful are the feet. Um, uh, no, it may be in Colossians. But he's, he's talking about you need to... You need to share Christ. Um, sorry, I was trying to find it. Hmm. Um, but he talks about how beautiful are the feet of them. Maybe it's Romans. Um, that share the word. It doesn't say how beautiful are the men's feet. Mm-hmm. Or 
you know, anything particular. It's just, it, it's it's all of us, right, yeah. that he's talking about. I'm looking it up, sorry. Um, because, yeah, it is in, uh, no, um, sorry, I'm trying to find, oh, yes, Romans 10, 15, sorry. Yeah, I thought it might be there. Um, but he says in Romans 10, 15, it says, um, and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Um, but even in verse 12 of that same um, Romans 10, it says, For there is no discretion between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he says in verse 14, How will they call on him if they've not believed? And how will they believe if they've not heard? And so that's where he goes in to say, How beautiful are the feet of those who go to share the gospel of peace. And so even he's saying there's there's no distinction between one people group and another people group, right? The same would be from one, you know, man or woman or race, right? It's we should share with all, all of the people. And um, he's saying those that do, how beautiful are are your feet to him because you're you're spreading the good news of the gospel. So, you know, I think it just all goes back where, yeah, we shouldn't devalue one another or one is less than. And I think scripture is full of Jesus trying to to fix that, you know. I mean, you think of um, in those times, women had no rights. I mean, they were given a husband who was chosen. And a lot of times that husband was chosen because of the financial gain maybe the family got or the name of that husband was valued and so it was an honorable thing um you know i mean there there were times you know where i mean there's the woman at the well and jesus is like yeah i know you're not married i i know you've been with all these people right however you have value and i love you and and even you can come to christ and so i mean but over and over, the fact that the women were the ones who went to the tomb and the angel appeared before them. He didn't wait till they went and got the men and then the men came and he appeared to them, right? All of that, I think, is just showing. It was, it was against the norm of the times. It was, it was against what tradition had taught them. And, and I think we have to be careful of that in all that we do. I mean, I think even women... There's a group of women that are uh, against men, you know, because mm -hmm. they've not let us teach or whatever. And that's not right either, right? There should be value in both. And um, again, it's just a beautiful design that the Lord created. But, you know, even I was sharing with you in Genesis when it talks about the woman, it's... Um, uh, the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree, right, you shouldn't eat. 
And it's in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And I'm reading King James, so um, I don't know how y'all feel about that version. But anyway, but the Hebrew word of that is ezer, E-Z-E-R. And it, it's best known, it's used 21 times in the Old Testament, and it's best known as a warrior. So we are to fight at his side. We're supposed to be his greatest ally. And we know we're not, I don't think the, the Lord necessarily um, was saying she needs to be a warrior against, you know, the man across the street or coming after you. He's talking about there is a spiritual war for our families. There's a spiritual war for our marriages. And it's a woman is integral to battling that and to praying for that. And so it's a very... Um, I think it's a it's a it's a a calling if you're if you're married you have a very high calling to cover your family in prayer. The Lord created us to be a warrior. Well, what other who other general to to team up with than the Lord to be a mighty warrior? So then you can be a mighty warrior if you're teaming up with the Lord and you're praying through that and and even I've seen in in lives of of my kids and of even my family, where the Lord has totally turned um, turned the way maybe they were going in, in, a, in a wrong path or, or down a dark road. And I've seen the Lord through prayer, right, totally change the heart and, and turn that person to love him and to hunger his word. And um, I think it's sad. It, it's it's not only in the church, it's in our world. Because you've got women now who who say they don't need a man. They can, you know, bring in a whole new generation. You have men turning into women, or women turning into men, and now they're saying the first man had a baby. I mean, it's <laughs> really, it is just crazy. And it's a ploy of, of the devil because um, he knows he knows the ending, and he wants to knock out as many warriors as he can. And and that's why I'm like, we have to be very um, careful in how we represent women, even when we're talking about them in Scripture, you know. But I, th- I think that of men, there is a very high value of men. My, my life, my household is full of men. I had three boys, you know, a husband— and then our father-in-law lived with us. So men, you know, are very important. And and I think that there needs to be value on both sides, you know, that it's very, um, very important. And that women don't need to be in leadership as far as to be a president. However, the president's wife, we need to... We need to just pray that there's a praying woman in that in that power, because ultimately that's um, you know that's what we need. We need praying people, and I think part of of being a, a warrior in in the army for Christ is what it's prayer, right? That's our biggest tool. That's our strongest weapon. That in the Word of Truth. 
So if you can pray scripture, you're going to blow things away. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm like a Rambo woman. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, I think that has to do with a lot of other stuff, like how you talk about, you know, if there's groups of women saying kill all men, or you have pastors who specifically, I guess, mute women mm-hmm. completely, or, mm-hmm. you know, varieties of different topics within that. Uh, it, it's also, First Corinthians also references something like this. Where it talks about why should the hand look at the the, the feet mm-hmm. and say, I have no value, I should be a hand. Whereas each person has their own individual purpose, a lot of people seem to not like the purpose and want to move forward into something that they are not. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to be an eye, even though they're an ear, mm-hmm. or a foot, even though they're a hand. So people are trying to progress themselves in, a, in some other area that they won't really get far in because yeah. they're out of their area. Yeah. So well, and scripture talks about identity, right? You got Gideon. Remember Gideon? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lord's like, "What are you hiding behind that bush, you mighty warrior, you mighty man of war?" Right? And he's like, uh, "I know you're not talking about me, it, you know." So you're right. We we need to have our identity. We need to focus what our identity in Christ is, right? Because, yeah. I mean, there's churches still that don't allow women to teach anyone past uh, the children's department, right? Yeah. And and that's sad because there are women the Lord has equipped and given, um, and you know they can speak volumes into other things, and so yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, we shouldn't think that, you know, men, men can't teach women or, you know, even the, what was it? There was a big old thing about, um, who was it? One of the, oh, Beth Moore, you know, years ago about Beth Moore was teaching or preaching. I know some women that can preach. I'm just saying. So, you know, but and then she got all kinds of, you know, slack for that. Well, again, a pastor of the church felt that she could teach. And if she has men coming to her women's conference, what's the big deal? They weren't made to go, well, their wife could have made them. But <laughs> they weren't technically made to sit under her teaching. Yeah. And and really, it doesn't matter who we sit under, whether it's a man preacher or a woman teacher or, you know, a Sunday school teacher right we are to gauge everything they say against the word of god and the best way to do that is get in the word and search out what they just taught on but we can take what the lord has for us in that and let go of what's not in that you know but even our identity is what you're saying right the hand and the feet like we need to know what our identity in christ is and we should be striving to figure that out you know, there's truth, but people are trying to hide truth. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. Whether intentionally or, or because of tradition. And I definitely agree that a lot of injustice has been done just in the name of tradition. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what was happening with the Pharisees. They were doing all this stuff that their uh, teachers had taught them, and they, they mm-hmm. thought that was so important. We've got to subdivide all of our 
our barley in the tenths and give a tenth to God and keep all the people really far away from that border, that, that hard line that is sin. We'll yeah. keep them 50 paces away. But it, it's exactly that. I, I think yeah. that every generation is subject to that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get skittish when you start talking about Pharisees. They don't want to believe that, yeah, we, we fall prey to the exact same sin. Yeah. But it, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's a constant temptation. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether, whether we recognize it or not. Well, we like comfort. Oh, yeah. You know, we're comfortable with this way or that way. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to look truth in the face, especially when uh, it goes against something that you're doing. It, it's very uncomfortable to face that and, and actually amend what you're doing. So I, I understand why people will just go, well, it, it worked for my parents, and that's what they taught me, so we'll just keep going with it. And, mm-hmm. and we, we won't actually try and focus on truth. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's good. That it, Typically, we want to, a lot of people want to, they already have a bias to a certain like they already pick a side of the fence and then when someone goes to scripture rather instead of allowing god to form around you you try and make no wait instead of what they will do is they will try and make god fit in this weird bubble that fits their narrative or their belief whatever it is for whatever passage instead of looking at it and willing to let go of your own your own bias your own opinions and then fall into suit same way with submission to fall into what the truth would be rather than your truth. Right. So, yeah. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, we are a generation or a people group of comfort. You can see yeah. that. Yeah. And I think the Lord grows us in the uncomfortable. That's where the growth comes. I agree. You yeah. know? I think that's why we're supposed to, to preach truth and stand by it. So we one we do have to know truth. We have to ferret out. Okay, this is actually what Scripture says, and this is what we need to hold to. But then standing firm in that, it's very uncomfortable because if we do it correctly, the world's not going to like it, and they're going to attack us, and they're going to. It's going to be persecution, whether it's verbal or physical. It, it's going to happen, and I think we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. But you're starting to see some of the denominations getting way too used to comfort mm-hmm. and so on on issues like the the whole lgbt yeah uh, stuff they're they're embracing it wholeheartedly because if they didn't if they stood against it they would be just viciously attacked and mocked in the media and they don't want that they they like being a friend of the people right. and so they're willing to compromise and that's exactly what we're supposed to stand against mm-hmm. so regardless of the issue if christ says no we have to say no um yeah. So it, I think I think we'll end up seeing in the future that a, a lot of the denominations might end up turning. They they might end up embracing almost everything that the world has to offer, and there there might be just a couple, a handful of denominations, or just a handful of people amidst the denominations that hold the actual truth, and the others, the ones that have compromised, will come and attack the ones that are holding true. And I, I, I don't want to live to see that, but I think it will happen at some point. Well, and I think it goes back even to what, you know, even what Trey was saying. Like when you are talking to someone, right, and they already come with that bias of the way their stance is or the way they're going to think. And I think that's where it even goes back to Scripture, right? We are proud people, but the Lord says we're to be humble 
right? That that's a fruit of the Spirit is humility. And so when you are coming to people, right, it, it shouldn't be like, I'm standing on my my stance and you're standing on your stance. We should come both with humility, like let's search it out together of what Scripture is and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's wow. that too. We are a proud people, I would say. I agree. And I do think a lot of people, they, they adopt <laughs> they adopt a kind of pride when they're trying to argue something the, uh, from Scripture. So instead of pointing to Scripture and going, look, God said this, and these are the reasons why this is a thing, mm-hmm. they make it their issue. And then it's a, it's a far more head-butting kind of reaction because they're arguing as though it's their fight. But it, yeah. we're supposed to point everybody to Scripture. Yeah. Um, and then it's a defense thereof instead of a, an actual offense. Yeah. And a lot of people over the years have used Scripture as like a, a cudgel and have beaten people over the head with it. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely not right. Um, but you're, you're right. You're right. It's, mm-hmm. You have to come to people out of love and not out of anger. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're doing something wrong, and this, yeah. this book says so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even though they may drive you to that. It still may irritate you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it happened. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I think that's where, yeah, humility comes in and truth, you know, of, mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. So, I know I'm not much of a debater. I, I'm not a fan of debates. So, me neither. Usually. <laughs> fun to listen to. Uh, sometimes they are. I don't know. Not when they're your children coming at you with which side are you on. <laughs> choose, not mom. So choose. Much, not so much. But, you know, but it is, you know, I think, too, we all we all are in different places in our spiritual walk. Some not even in, in a place of spiritual walk. So the way we we come to them or the way that we you know, interact with them should look a little differently than me interacting with two believers sitting at a table, right? Um, it, it should look differently. And and even then, we have to think of, you know, did they just come to the Lord like last month? Because I probably shouldn't be coming at them from 30 years of, you know, being in Scripture and, and hitting my point hard. You know, I need to I need to look past that, right? So just like we talked about, you know, the woman at the well, Jesus didn't harp on her. You know, she was like, I'm this, that, or the other. You know, I'm not, my husband's not home or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, I know. I know you're right. And <laughs> I know you're not living with your husband. However. You have no husband. <laughs> right. However, I want to, I want to share something that's, that's better because you're searching right you're searching for acceptance you're searching for love you're searching for value you're not finding it in all these men or any of that right you're you're coming out here in the middle of the day because no one wants to be around you and you don't want to hear what they're going to say to you so let me help you with that because i offer something so much more and and that's what we have to offer as believers in christ is is I'll sit here and I, I'll I'll listen to your your story all day long, you know. But let me share with you something that can totally, you know, totally change your life. And 
And we have that. We have that to offer. Why would we not want to offer what we have to someone else? Why would we stay in the shadows hiding for fear? Because if you think about it, if no one had shared with me, where would I be now? And I could tell you, me, I probably would not be in a good place. I know I wouldn't be. But if if someone hadn't have been like, hey, you want to come to church with me? And I'm like, eh, sure. I mean, I don't have anything else to do on Sunday, you know. And if someone hadn't have done that, and then if I went to a church and those people were hateful or trying to berate me because of the way I dressed or the way I talked or I didn't do this, you know, um, why would I continue to go there? But they didn't. They did such an amazing job of loving me where I was at and allowing the Holy Spirit and the Lord to change me and and to almost woo me to him, right? And so, you know, I think there's a lot to that, that um, we have a lot to offer. We, we have a lot to offer, and it's not us that's offering it. It's the Lord that gave it to us, and now we have the opportunity to share that and, and to give that same opportunity to someone else. And I think we need to take that at face value of, of what that is and, and where the Lord has us now and the peace that we have within our hearts. I mean, the world around us is ridiculous, but here we are sitting at a table— doing a podcast, laughing, having our tea, and just, you know, mm-hmm. not worried about, oh, tomorrow may be like Armageddon. We're not. We're, you know, moving forward in the goodness of the Lord and the truth of his word. And that's a lot to offer somebody, you know. And so, yeah, I think it's very important the way we present and the way that um, – we talk to other believers because we need to have accountability. We need to sharpen each other, right? Uh, as a, uh, Iron sharpening iron. Thank you. <laughs> so we need to sharpen one another and keep one another accountable. And But then when it comes to an unbeliever, we need to love them well and share Christ with them. And then to new believers, right? We need to We need to share and help them grow without being you know too harsh in our presentation so it's Mm. very important i I definitely know what you're talking about with that because if if you're talking to a long-standing believer you can rebuke them harshly because now you you still want to be loving about it but but that's open because they should recognize okay everything that they presented while harsh was accurate Mm -hmm. and that's what is necessary sometimes Mm -hmm. to get somebody out of something that they don't want to see it, and you have to kind of direct their gaze. Look, this is what you're doing. Yeah. And usually they're very repentant after you actually let them know this is what you're doing. Yeah. But, yeah, for a, a young believer, it's very off-putting to, to have the same approach. Because they just see you as, wow, this is angry, angry person that hates me. Yeah. Like, well, no, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There needs to be something different. Mm-hmm. I've been called weird more than once. I've had a family member be like, they're very odd. And and my sister's like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, they're just so happy. Well, you know, to me, that's not odd, right? Mm-hmm. We should be 
a joy. We should be happy people. There's no reason to live in sadness all your life. But for her, it was very different to see someone that was happy and, and had joy. And so, you know, it's okay. People may say you're weird. And I tell people all the time, they may, uh, and this happens to me multiple times, you know, where people, um, don't want to accept Christ. They don't believe the way I do or, um, you know, whatever. They'll call me and be like, this has happened and I really need you to pray. And they may have told you two months ago, they don't believe in the Lord or in prayer. But when the rubber meets the road and harsh things are coming at them, they're like, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to seek out this person who not only said they were a believer in Christ, but they live what they say. And I see within them something different. So I want to contact them because I want them to stand in the gap to their God for me. You know? And so, yeah, it's a, I mean, there's, you know, we may be a part of just sowing a seed. We may get to reap the benefits of seeing someone come to the Lord. We may be a part of discipling people but whatever our part is in it yeah we need to be very aware you know and and be a people that um are consistent in our our walk with the lord i mean trey could probably attest if i was a mom that cussed him out when he was a kid and then you know went to church on sunday and uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know that he would you know value anything I had to say but you know yeah I mean the way we live our lives other people see we may not that's one thing I've always I've always said um and I probably have said it to you before but that our sin people think that our sin doesn't hurt anyone but ourselves but they are so so wrong because others see it and our sin our sin has ramifications and it could be for several around them it could even be generations of bondage that um someone is in because of the sin that we did so we have to be very um you know i i just really feel like we have to be very careful and very not like timid and tiptoe around i'm not saying that but we just need to be very aware of who we are in Christ and, and what he's done and taken us out of and and live in that consistently. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's Psalms that talks about how the the rain falls upon both the righteous and the wicked. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Psalms. Yeah. So, I mean, even if, whether it's a believer giving the gospel to a non-believer as a blessing or anything else, just you know, being loving to somebody, even if it's not specifically giving the gospel, can still be a blessing to someone not saved or just anyone else so yeah Yeah. and i think we use excuses of i'm not comfortable sharing sharing the gospel with somebody or i don't know how to share the gospel or you know um i've i've never knocked on someone's door which i'm not saying i go to my neighborhood and knock on people's doors (laughs) i'm not saying (laughs) i used to i used to as a as a before I got married and your dad did it with me, we didn't knock on doors all day on a Saturday. But um, I haven't done that in several years other than overseas. But, um, you know, but 
we shouldn't be intimidated or put into fear of of talking about our faith or sharing our faith and um I feel like if we do it in love um I have a I have a friend that I met years ago years ago um at when I was on staff at a church and um she came to me and she she's a lesbian and um we're still friends today talk all the time and um you know she she knows it's wrong and she struggles with that sin and she wants to live right you know but it's not my place to turn my back on her right and she knows where i stand but i can still love her like my husband and i had taken her out for her birthday before for dinner and you know i mean it's okay we it's okay that we can love people um that are definitely struggling with life choices or whatever um but sometimes we have to have boundaries too of of what's acceptable or what we can you know have come around and you know we um i mean we just really have to seek the lord in that but i i think you know there are opportunities no matter what is happening in someone's life there's opportunities that we can um, be the hands of christ to them because you may be the only christ they've seen and i'm not saying that as you are christ but you know christ lives in us and we should mirror right we should mirror and that's why we have the holy spirit so that we can walk in in righteousness and so um sometimes that's the only saving grace someone will ever come across is is you entering a room or you showing them love or kindness where no one else has you know that i mean honestly that may be the only time they see that and so we have to be very aware yep angry covered all kinds of things on your podcast yeah. Like, yeah. We've gone all over the board. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's versatile. We have no no more topics left. Oh. We've done too many topics now. Yeah. <laughs> that was the problem in the past. We'd cover everything, and then what are we talking there about? There was nothing left. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can call it here if you want. That's probably smart. <laughs> and then, yeah. That was good. I liked it. Yeah. Thanks for good. being on. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Anytime. So, Thanks for the invite. It was fun. So... I have to do this more often, I guess. Yeah. See, you should sit and talk with your mom. Look at what all we can talk I about. I talk with you yeah, a lot. Great. You do yeah. talk with I me talk a lot. I talk with my mom a lot. <laughs> he does talk to me a lot. I see him all the time. I'm very thankful. So. Yeah. I had all sorts of topics we talked about. So. We have. But, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? Any last words, I guess? I just want to encourage, you know, I had talked about, you know, we need to share Christ. So let me just share this little thing it's easy and so i don't want to leave the podcast without you know someone's like well she talked about sharing christ but how do you do that and so um i train women so train women on how to share christ when we go overseas and um we even do where we go to the park downtown dallas and share christ with a group of women once a month so the way i teach them is you know you can start out with uh we have like an elevator speech just a, a three-second little 
you know, and one way that you can share Christ that's easy and non-intimidating is, you know, hey, can I, you know, can I talk to you for a second? I I just want to share something that's changed my life. And, you know, there was a time in my life, so this is an example of what I would say. There's a time in my life where I was consumed by fear, fear and dread. And I just couldn't get out of the grips of it. But then Jesus Christ came into my life. And when I accepted him into my life, I was out of that bondage of fear and I know perfect peace and love that I never known before. Do you have a story like that in your life? Is there something you're struggling with? You know? And and see that's just an easy three second and and it can come out of, you know, anything. And you would be amazed. I've met women in the park that are like, you know what, my my husband's ill at home and I just don't know how long he's going to take. Can we pray? It just opens up all of this opportunity. And so, you know, just want to share with you that um, it's easy to share Christ. Share your story. Share Christ's story. And then maybe you can change their story. Those are the three main things. So yeah. that's just a piece. Yeah. Always good to start with, especially with the testimony. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that. Also, inviting them to talk about things because yeah. I've known some people that that dislike Christians because when they go to evangelize, it it's like they're they, they talk the whole time and they're, it's like they're trying to to win them over with words alone. Yeah. But yeah, that doesn't have to be the way it is. Mm-mm. It's not our responsibility to save them. Exactly, it's our responsibility to share and to love them well. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, it was good. I good. liked it. Good. We've never done that topic before, really, so. It's a fresh one. Yeah, it's a fresh one. So, we're good, so. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you good having Good to have you on. on. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's about it. David, any last words? Boing. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> All right, we'll catch y'all later. See ya. <laughs>